Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This episode is brought to you by RamShirts.com, the company that brought you Crush City Tees. RamShirts offers custom printed and embroidered apparel. They offer direct-to-garment printing for small runs and screen printing for larger runs. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at RamShirts. Visit RamShirts.com for all your custom apparel needs. Listeners of this podcast use promo code BASEBALL for 25% off your order. Without further ado, today's guest, former Major League Baseball player, Jeff Fry. Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan. For the fans of the Houston Astros, here is your host, Rob Fontenot. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this episode of Astros Baseball, the final episode of 2020, which has been a horrible year. Uh, my guest today, retired Major League Baseball player, Major League Baseball player agent, a keynote speaker, and leader of She Gone Nation, Jeff Fry. Jeff, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Uh, you're welcome, man. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's let's go back in time and start uh, with you growing up in Oklahoma, and I told you last night that I did too. Uh, Panama, I looked it up, it's over there kind of by Arkansas. How was it like? Is that a little small town or what? Oh, yeah. Uh, 2,000 people. Uh, we had uh, one stoplight in our town. Just a little little country town, man. And I actually was a transplant. I, I came from California when I was 16 and moved to Panama with my aunt and uncle, four cousins, all girls, and my grandparents. From a town in California of about 100,000 people to a a town in eastern Oklahoma with 2,000. So that was quite a culture shock. So you're, you're, were you the best guy on the baseball team over there in California? Because if you were, you probably dominated there in that little town. You know, I don't think I was at that point. I mean, I was pretty good. I was always pretty good growing up, you know, playing Little League and Babe Ruth and things like that. I mean, I was a good player, but I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily say that I was the best player. What position did you play in high school? Shortstop, mainly shortstop, little third base. And um, I didn't really switch to second base until I got to college. What year did you graduate high school? 1984. 84. Uh, oh, so, so the, the song Panama came out while you're in it. Panama. That was probably a big song over there. It was a big song over there. <laughs> we actually were like, you know course we had to stake claim that you know it was about our town <laughs> so so you ended up going to southeast oklahoma state uh and after that you were you said you moved you moved to second base in college yeah i mean first i went to carl albert junior college for two years and then um and then i went to southeastern after that oh okay so how many years did you uh play college ball three four years oh all four years okay Oh, yeah. 
so that was going to that was going to be my next question. So you got drafted by the Texas Rangers, the 30th round in 1988. Uh, so I was going to say, when, growing up, I grew up in the Oklahoma City area, and we had the Oklahoma City 89ers. And I remember them being a farm club of the Texas Rangers when I was a kid. Uh, were you able to in- attend any Oklahoma City 89er games as a kid? No. And, and the funny story to that is that um, growing up in eastern Oklahoma and um, when I was in junior college, my junior college coach had asked me, actually called me in his office my so- his sophomore year in his office and said, hey, I want to talk to you. I think you're a year away. And I said, from what? And he said, from getting drafted. And I said, by the Army? <laughs> and he goes, no, you idiot, by professional baseball. And I was like, you're crazy. So I never even envisioned that I would be able to play at that level. And living where I lived in eastern Oklahoma, I didn't even realize that there was a double-A team in Tulsa for the Rangers and a triple-A team in Oklahoma City when I was growing up. I didn't even know those teams were there. Oh. So, so you had no idea when you were in high school that – you would ever have the talent to be a major league baseball player. That wasn't even something you thought about. No, never even crossed my mind. I mean, I actually went to junior college on a basketball scholarship. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So let's, so how many years did you spend in the minor leagues? About four. Yeah. I spent the, let's see. First, first year I went to short season in the pioneer league. So that's half season. Then I had a full season in low A, full season high A, full season um, in double A. So that's three and a half. And then I spent uh, about half the season, maybe just over half a season in triple A. So right, just four years, maybe a little bit more than four years. And in triple A, were you in Oklahoma City? Yes. Yes. Okay. Eight, 89 games. <laughs> 89 games. <laughs> that... Playing for the 89ers, and I played uh, the first 89 games of the season without a day off. That is cool. And got called up. All right. So I kind of got sidetracked here. But, okay, here it is. You you posted a video, and you were talking about a leg kick, and you were in the minor leagues, and you added a leg kick. Is that what it's called, a leg kick, where you pick your leg up? I guess it's called a leg kick. But you added that to your your hitting style, and that's what – propelled you to major leagues is that the video i saw yes and that is a true story and actually i was uh, i'm going to talk to the guy that uh, who was my roommate at the time rick rona who played uh i think four or five years in the big leagues for the cubs and he was my roommate in double a and um we were in wichita kansas and i was hitting about 230 at the time probably a third to two-fifths of the, uh, the way through the season, and I, was, I wasn't doing very well. And so we were in a hotel, in the atrium area hotel, and we're playing stickball, had like a little ball of tape um, and like uh, a broom handle, I think it was, or a wiffle ball bat. I can't remember exactly. And we're out there, and I'm, I'm imitating at the time a lot of the, the Rangers, um, big stars, uh, Juan Gonzalez, Ruben Sierra, and all these big hitters had these big leg kicks so I was imitating them and I was really I was smashing the ball and Rick Rona goes man why don't you hit like that in the game and I was like all right what do I have to lose at this point you know and so I went right in the next day 
um, hitting with a completely new stance and a leg kick that I never even had the time to practice um, because that day we didn't even have batting practice that day because it was a rainy day. So we went right into the game with my new stance, new leg kick, and I went one for four, but the, the, the key was I hit a home run foul in which I was not even getting close to hitting the ball that hard or that far mm-hmm. with my other stance. And so from that point of the season, I finished leading Tulsa in nine or ten offensive categories, hit over 300, um, MVP of the All-Star game, went to Venezuela, hit 300. Next year, hit 300 in AAA to the big leagues with a leg kick. Wow, that really made a big difference. Huge difference. It just gave me more leverage because I – you know, I could make contact, um, but it just wasn't very strong. I mean, I was, you know, 5'9", 160 pounds. Yeah. And so, so I could, I just couldn't drive the ball through the infield and through the gaps like I needed to do at that level. So going back to, to the draft, I forgot about wanting to ask you this. So you're drafted in the 30th round, and the draft back then isn't like it is today, like instant information uh were you expecting to get drafted and then also like how did you find out that you did get drafted yeah that's, i mean i got a really cool draft story if you'd like me to tell you yes was, uh because i i went to the uh, the rangers tryout camp in midwest city oklahoma um and i borrowed my teammate benny Calvert from southeastern i borrowed his invitation because i wasn't even invited to it <laughs> and benny benny was uh, stud player, two-time All-American, and we were pretty sure he was a junior, so we were pretty sure he was getting drafted by the Reds because the Reds were there all the time watching him. So he didn't want to waste his time with a Rangers tryout. So I said, well, let me have your tryout. And so I went, and Coach Matheny at Southeastern called Doug Gasway, who was the Rangers, the big Rangers scout at the time, and said, Benny's not coming, Jeff Fry's coming, um, but he's not going to stand out at a tryout camp. You have to see him play over time to pr- appreciate him. Mm-hmm. So I show up at this trial camp, and we run the 60, typical trial. You run a 60, you take ground balls, so and now it's time to hit. And, um, you know, you're facing pitchers that are also trying out. So it's not like it's batting practice where they're just laying it in there. These guys are trying to make get noticed, too. So it just so happens I face a guy that I had faced in junior college um, from Murray State, and I really didn't like this guy mm-hmm. um, playing against him. So I get in there in the cage, and I hit a bunch of line drives and hit a home run. It's, it's a high school field, but, you know, I hit a really pretty good reason aluminum bat. I had a, had a great round. So I get out of the cage, and the scouts hand me a wood bat. And these scouts have never even, that have never seen me before are now making adjustments to my hands, my stance, how I hold the bat. And they're saying, next time, get in there with this wooden bat, which I had never used a wooden bat, except goofing around as a kid. Mm-hmm. So now I get in there, first pitch I take, because I'm kind of uncomfortable with my new stance, you know, and the first pitch I swing, I hit over, not just over the fence, but there's another fence about 30 foot uh, behind it to the parking lot, and it hits that fence. And now, and I'm not a home run hitter, and, I, and I'm hitting line drives everywhere. So now the other um, people that are there to try out are starting to gather around the cage, because I'm really putting on a show. And... So now I get out of there, and they say, okay, we want you to go in, hit one more time. Nobody else is getting to hit three times at this tryout. You know, most of them are one or two. And if, if most of them are one, some of them might get two rounds. But now I'm going for my third round, 
and they say, we want you to face this guy that just got released by the Reds. So here comes this pitcher named Mike Converse, six foot ten, right-handed pitcher. And he's throwing gas, right? Hmm. And I take him deep, too. Hit a bunch of home runs. Not a bunch of home runs, but a bunch of line drives. And now I come out of the cage, and, the, and then get, um, scouts are like, all right, we're inviting you to Arlington Stadium. Um, go to Arlington Stadium. A week before that tryout, I went water skiing and had an accident, and the rope snapped out of my hand, and my hand hit the ski and busted two of my fingertips wide open. So I had to get stitches through my ring finger of my left hand and the tip of my finger, um, like five stitches, through the fingernail and the tip of my finger. And I told the doctor, I was like, man, I have a tryout in a week. And he goes, you're not going to be able to go to that. I said, okay. So I, I feel bad about this, but I went through his drawer and stole a couple gauze pads and a couple rubber gloves and put them in my pocket. And I said, thanks a lot, doc, and walked out. A week later, I show up in Arlington, and I knew I had to try and hide my injury. So I wrapped my, wrapped my fingers in gauze, put the rubber glove over that, and then I put a batting glove, which I could barely fit over the rubber glove on, mm-hmm. ran the 60. You know, nobody else is running the 60 in batting gloves. I run the 60 in batting gloves. And then I take ground balls, and every ground ball I caught, it was just absolutely killing my hand. But I didn't say anything. Now it's time to hit. I get in the cage, the very first swing. The bat flies out of my hand, hits the top of the cage. I go pick it up like it's nothing. Take a couple more swings, and they can tell. I, hadn't had a, I wasn't able to practice before this. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can tell I'm not hitting like I did in Oklahoma City. And they say, what happened? I pull my glove off and show them, and, and they're like, man, how'd you do that? I explained how I did it. They said, well, obviously you want to play pretty bad. Um, go get your hand ready. We're going to draft you. So back, I go back to Southeastern. Never, not really knowing what to expect, you know, and I mean, even at that time, I didn't have a phone in our apartment, um, no internet, no way to really communicate with the outside world and um, didn't even really know exactly, you know, what time the draft started, any of that stuff. And all of a sudden I get a knock on our door and it's Coach Matheny and he goes, Fry, the Texas Rangers drafted you in the 30th round. And I was like, all right, coach. He goes, the scout's coming up in a couple of days to sign you. And that's how I found out. And I signed, I signed um, in Coach Matheny's office. A scout, Jimmy Dreyer, came up and signed me because Doug Gassaway didn't want to drive all the way from Cleburne to Durant. It's about two hours to sign a 30th-round draft pick. So he sent, Doug, he sent Jimmy Dreyer and uh, signed my contract. And Jimmy goes, did they tell you about your signing bonus? And I said, no, sir. He goes, well, you get $2,000 for signing. I'm like, sweet. And off I went. <laughs> off I went. So you you did the tryout for the Texas Rangers, and that that was pretty much the only team that even knew about you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we just didn't have many scouts at our games at the time. I mean, the only other scout that I know the Giants had a scout there occasionally, and the Reds because the Reds were really high on Benny, and that's the team that ended up drafting Benny. So and yeah, I, when we were at Ar- we had a game in Arkansas that year. And the Red Scout was there, um, and he wanted to time Benny on the 60-yard 60 60 yard dash on the turf. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Benny could really run. And uh, so Coach Matheny says, Fry, go out there and run with Benny. And we all just assumed Benny was the fastest guy on the team. A guy was still in like 40 bases in college. And um, so I was like, all right. So I go out there, and the Scout's got a stopwatch. And Benny and I – run the 60 and I actually beat Benny in the 60 and ran a six, six. 
Hmm. So, uh, so you so you made your debut for Texas in 1992. Do you do you remember anything about that day? Oh, I remember everything about that day. That's why I was gonna. I was gonna let you say it. I was gonna let you tell the story then. Yeah, it was. Uh, so we we're we we're in. Uh, I was in AAA for the Rangers, and we we're on the road in Louisville, Kentucky, and um, just you know, just another day at the office. And normally at, at that time, um, first off, like I said before, none of us had cell phones or anything like that. This is 1992, and normally we would sleep in till noon. Um, get up, get ready, go eat lunch, and then go to the field. Because in those days, we were getting about, I think at this time, maybe 15 to $17 a day for meal money. So we couldn't really afford to eat three times a day. So we'd eat twice a day. We slept through breakfast and ate brunch and went to the field. So normally we'd take the phone off the hook so we wouldn't get disturbed. For whatever reason, um, we didn't take the phone off that day, and all of a sudden the phone rings at 9 a.m. And the phone, I have a roommate named Bobby Brower, who played in the big leagues, and um, all of a sudden the phone rings, and the phone is closer to my bed. So I answer the phone, and it's from our manager, Tommy Thompson. And I had just found out that I made the all-AAA, all-star team. And uh, I was pretty excited about that, and all of a sudden Tommy goes, Hey, big boy. He goes, uh, you're not going to the AAA All-Star game. I said, I'm not. He goes, nope, you're going to another level. Come up to my room. And I didn't even say a word. And I just looked at my roommate, and he goes, you're going to the big leagues. He goes, <laughs> and, you're not, and you're not coming back either. And so sure enough, I went upstairs and talked to Tommy. told me, you know, I'm going to Arlington. Uh, they also called up uh, Brian Bohannon from that team the same day. So Brian and I have to now go to the clubhouse in Louisville, which is closed at this time of the day. We have to call the clubby, get him to open it up, go pack up all our stuff, take a taxi to the airport, fly to, to um, DFW to Dallas. Um, the car waiting for us. We get, we, land, we get in the car at 5 o'clock. takes about 30 minutes to get to the ballpark. Walk in the ballpark, see everybody, you know, see the clubbies and guys like that. Joe Macko was a clubhouse man manager, and yeah, it's like, hey, you got a locker in there. So I go in there, see, I'm, you know, Fry number fifty-one, um, which is my number in spring training, and they said, go check out the lineup. So I go walk over to the lineup, and I'm leading off, playing second base, and look at the bottom, and our pitcher that night is Nolan Ryan. <laughs> man, I don't, even, I don't even get to settle in, you know. I'm just like right into the fire, and it's like. And also that day, they had, they just fired uh, Bobby Valentine as manager that day, so we had a new manager. Toby Hera was the interim manager, and so now you know it's five thirty. The game's at seven, and batting practice is already going on. And they say if you hurry up, you can get out there and hit. And I'm like, man, I don't even have to unpack all my stuff, all this. I don't have time. So I was like, I'll get ready for infield, which is like 6'10". So get dressed, get ready for infield, take infield right into the game. And I actually had a great game. I went two for three, scored three runs, had a triple, a walk, a sack fly, and we won the game, and I was player of the game my first game. How do they determine player of the game? I don't know. I mean, it's just 
I mean, was it the TV or the coach just said you're the yeah. player of the game? No, TV. TV. Oh, actually, TV. Actually got interviewed after the game by the broadcast team, and I don't even remember who they were at the time. But, um, yeah, player of the game my first game, and then all downhill after that. <laughs> so the morning of, you, you think you're going to be in the All-Star game in AAA. You have to go all the way to Arlington. You look at the lineup card. You have Nolan Ryan. Were you starstruck? I mean, <laughs> that would have to be nuts to see that guy. Well, I think, you know, I'd met Nolan in spring training a little bit because I, I oh, went to, okay. to big league camp that year. So I'd met all the guys. Um, but, I mean, I was just, I didn't really talk much. I just kind of just kept my mouth shut and tried to, you know, do my job. And I actually had a really good spring training, probably deserved to make the team but because I was a, had never played above double A at that time. I think they thought it was best I go to triple A. All right, so you hit your first home run July 24th at Baltimore. I'm just going to try to to move along a little bit because I want you to be able to talk about she gone. Um, you were released by the Rangers when you were in Triple uh, A. You went back to Oklahoma City in '96, but the same day you were signed by the Boston Red Sox, and then 1997 you had the best year in of your career. Mm-hmm. Yep, and. I- I mean, it was actually a conditional release um, because I had a clause in my contract uh, called a side letter that they don't really recognize anymore. Is that uh, and the the clause was that I could go to another team, but I had to go from AAA to the major leagues, not from AAA to AAA. And the Rangers had to decide whether or not they were going to call me up instead or let me go to another team. And so Boston um, was having some difficulty at second base, and my former manager, Kevin Kennedy, um, with Texas, was now managing Boston. So he inquired about me um, coming to Boston, and that's why the Rangers released me. They chose not to call me up and let me go to Boston. So 1997, 127 games with Boston, a 310 average and six homers, definitely not a home run hitter. Uh, what, what's the big difference in playing in Boston and Texas? Huge, right? The pressure, the pressure. I mean, it was, you know, the the way I like to explain it, it was like, we had some good teams in Texas, but we were never really like, you know, in contention for the playoffs. One year we were close, but it was the way I explain it is on a Sunday when we're losing 10 to nothing and the crowd goes crazy, it's because the Dallas Cowboys scored a touchdown. You know, this is a, it's a football town. I said, and in Boston, if we lose a game on a Wednesday night, on Thursday morning, half the city's going to work pissed off because we lost. And it's life and death up there. And they're just, you know, baseball until at this time, the Patriots, when I was playing there, the Patriots weren't really relevant at this time, like they have been after I left. But it was in Boston was a baseball town big time. Yeah, you talk about the... Patriots. I think they went to the Super Bowl in '85, somewhere around there. I know I was like in eighth grade. Uh, they and they got beat by the Bears. Remember the the mm-hmm. Bears? Uh, so let's see. You ended up in. Let's skip to this. You ended up in Toronto, and you hit for the cycle, and that was pretty cool. Uh, you got the triple out of the way early, right? Oh yeah, yeah. My first at bat was a triple, and it was. Um, it was just basically a jam shot to right field that the right fielder 
came in and the ball hit the turf and bounced over his head and I got a triple. Um, and then a double and then a home run and then the controversial single um, at the end. I could have had a double, but I, I turned a double into a single to complete the cycle. So how much pressure did you feel on that last at bat? Like, when did you think, like, I got a chance to do this? After I hit the home run. So it was, it was triple, then the home run or the double second? Double second. Oh, okay. Oh, well, there you go. You got the home run. The triple's the hardest one to get, right? Yeah, generally. Generally. Um, but, you know, my career had more triples than homers. So. Oh. So you were the second person in Blue Jays history to hit for the cycle. So you'll, you'll, you'll be a uh, legend there in Toronto. Yeah, it's happened three times now. Biggio uh, did it year before last. Kevin uh, Biggio, Craig Biggio's son. So I was, uh, yeah, I was the second. All right, so, so somehow you ended up with the Astros at the end of your career, but you never really, or the, I don't know, I got Cincinnati, Houston, Rockies, but you never really played for any of those teams, right? I played for the Rockies for two months in the big leagues. I played oh, okay. for... I got traded there from Boston in um, 2000 at the trading deadline. Um, and then Cincinnati was in 2002. I was in AAA. And actually, I went, I uh, quit and, and told the manager, I said, man, I'm done I'm going home. And, and I got home and had a, a scout call me from Houston and say, hey, we want you to go AAA. We're going to need to call a guy up in September. Jimmy Williams, my former manager from Boston, was now managing Houston. He always liked me. And so I went to Houston's AAA in New Orleans for two and a half weeks in hopes that I'd get called up in September. I didn't play very well. Um, and they made a trade and acquired Mark Grudzelanek at the end, right in September. And so that was the end. All right, so let's go to life after baseball. While you're finishing up your career, did you have any idea what you were going to do? No idea. No <laughs> idea. I had, you know, I was contacted by um, the Rangers to see if I wanted to get into scouting. I was also contacted by Sandy Johnson from the Mets, who he was assistant GM, said if I ever wanted to get on the field and coach again to let him know. And I had opportunity uh, from a friend to uh, become a sports agent. So I chose that. So you've been doing the sports agent since around 2002, 2003? Uh, yep. yep, that's when I started in 2003. Are you the agent of any big-name people? No, I was um, at one point. Uh, Ian Kinsler, who's retired, I represented Ian for a number of years. Um, Darren Oliver for nine years. Mark Lowe for his whole career. Sean Kelly, Adam Moore. Uh, not really big name guys, Ryan Franklin. Um, but last year I had one of my one of my clients uh, got called up, made his major league debut for the Oakland A's, Jonah Heim, a catcher who's got a bright future. Oh, that's cool. All right, so you started the She Gone Nation because you started seeing all these hitting so-called hitting gurus uh, teaching these young kids how to hit using all these gimmicks. Tell, tell us about how you got that started. Yeah, so I'm on a group chat with uh, 
three scouts, well, two current scouts, one former scout that we're all been, we all played and been buddies for a long time. And so we see all these silly videos of what some of these gurus are teaching kids. And so one day I imitated one, had my son video me. It was like a 12 second video in the backyard, just goofing off and put it on Twitter. And an hour later, my one of my buddies calls me and says, man, you got 4,000 views on your video. I was like, what are you talking about? So I looked it on Twitter. I hadn't really spent much time on social media. And mm -hmm. um, I was like, holy cow. And then all of a sudden, the backlash, man. These guys, these guys came out of the woodwork and were just bashing me and calling my kids names. And I mean, it was very hateful. And so they didn't know me very well. And all that did was inspire me to make another video. <laughs> and then the, the, at the end of the second video, I, it wasn't scripted or anything. None of, none of my videos are. I just kind of ad lib. And at the end of this video, I said, she gone like that. And one of my buddies on Twitter said, man, you need to hashtag she gone. So I did. And that's how it started. I'll tell you this. The first video I saw, I'm just watching you you know, imitating these things. And, and then you, I think you hit the ball with like a PVC pipe or something. And when you said she gone, I mean, I laughed. It, it was hilarious. <laughs> so, so it works. It works good. Um, yeah, it's funny. I have, I mean, you'd be shocked. I have little kids making videos with their dads. And at the end of these videos, they say she gone. It's the cutest thing. And they send them to me and it's been, man, it's been nuts. <laughs> so you just like, was that something you've always said or you just like just happened to say it that day? I said it that day and really I got it from um, Hawk Harrelson, longtime announcer of uh, the Chicago White Sox. And to me, he was always one of the most entertaining announcers because he had all these funny things he would say. Uh, like, he gone. He would say he gone. Oh, or okay. he would say, grab some bench. He just said always these funny phrases. And so I got it kind of from that. And um yeah, that's just really it was not thought out or anything. It just happened. I saw a video of you being interviewed on Major League Baseball Network, and I have written down here that you had a video on TikTok that had one million views. Mm hmm. Yep, that's a funny story. Funny wow. story. Like uh, actually, uh, the guy who wrote the article, um, there was an article in Forbes magazine, and he posted one of my videos uh, edited one of my videos and put on tiktok and he said in two days it had 1.4 million views and he gained 3,000 followers so he and so he started looking at all the comments and there were so many negative comments that he's like man i'm gonna talk to this guy so he reached out to me and we had a great conversation and he wrote an article in forbes magazine and that was early on and um i mean just is the movement has just taken off Okay, we had a little bit of technical difficulty, and I lost Jeff. But the only thing remaining that we're going to talk about is he did start making the videos, making fun of these so-called gurus, but now he actually makes videos helping the kids uh, learn how to hit. I do appreciate Jeff coming on. It was an honor talking to a Major League Baseball player. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Enjoy your New Year's Eve. Be safe. This was the final episode of 2020. We'll see you next year on Astros Baseball. She gone. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Make sure to subscribe so that way you will be alerted when there is a new episode. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Fontenot. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.